Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're talking about the rise of anti-Christian sentiment in America and around the world, but also persecution and anti-Semitism with our good friend, Dr. J.B. Hickson, an author, pastor of Plum Creek Chapel near Denver. He's the founder of Not By Works Ministries. He's written 10 books, at least, and his previous book, Spirit of the Antichrist, The Gathering Cloud of Deception, uh, he's got volume one and volume two out now, which we're still going to be referring to today in this podcast. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Great to be with you, David. Say that again. We, we, you cut out a little bit, JB. Oops, sorry about that. Can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, great to be with you. Thanks so much. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, being on. I know you're very busy. You've got a conference coming up. Uh, it's a little bit of traveling going on, and you're tr- trying to squeeze a little R&R in there. At least Wendy and the kids are. Tell us about Orlando coming up. Yeah, so God opened a door uh, some time ago for us to speak at a conference in Claremont. Uh, it's called uh, uh, What Is This World Coming To? And uh, you can... Check that out on our website. Uh, it's uh, uh, basically a weekend conference. I'll be speaking seven times and on that theme of what is this world coming to. And then after that, we got invited to speak at the Orlando Prophecy Summit, hosted by Prophecy Watchers, and that's two weeks later. So uh, we, rather than make the, the drive twice, because we drive and, and pull a trailer, uh, we're just going to kind of camp out there for those two weeks, and I'll fly back between the events and in Orlando, and then uh, speak at Plum Creek and do our prophecy mm-hmm. night, which we have on Tuesday nights, and then to fly back to Florida for the second conference. So yeah, if you can, anyone's in the southeast United States or Florida area, come on out and see us. I've been getting lots of uh, emails from folks saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to be at one or the other, in some cases both. <laughs> so excited about that. So Mary is here ready to dive into, I believe, chapter 12 in uh, The Spirit of the Antichrist, volume 2. As we talk about some of these things today, worldview issues, increasing anti-Christian sentiment, and, you know, their persecution is ramping up, but you wrote a recent article called Ambassadors, and of course, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ, I often say not secret agents, not closet Christians, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So before we get into the topics today, J.B., Whenever a Christian uh, decides, I am going to do my best to glorify God in my life, stand for truth, um, uh, just just stand for the righteousness of Jesus Christ and try to live that out in my life, not secretly or quietly, you will be attacked. So expect suffering. Uh, you can touch on your article, Ambassadors, but just this idea, JB, that... Um, Everybody should be willing to live for Christ. After all, his sacrifice for us, we could never measure up to or repay. So we could at least live for him, but not everybody wants to because this world is hard and you will be attacked if you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. No question. 
question. You know, Wendy and I, my wife and I, were talking about that just last night as we faced kind of a new round of, of attacks. Uh, the, the, the more exposure uh, we get uh, at NBW Ministries and at Plum Creek, uh, you know, anybody that proclaims the clear, accurate, and ur- urgent gospel is going to be a target because mm-hmm. Satan, according to 2 Corinthians 4 4, is blinding men's hearts to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So yeah. those that are shining the light on the gospel are going to be attacked. And, and you and I have talked before about how this seems to be proliferating you know everywhere among conservative evangelical bible teaching gospel preaching uh, ministries but uh, uh, you know there's a, a quote by John Shedd who was a famous author and professor from 1928 he said quote a ship in harbor is safe but mm. that is not what ships are for Amen. and so christians are not intended to be as you said the secret weapons or closet christians uh, we're supposed to be out front on the front lines bringing the battle uh, to the lost and uh, confronting Satan uh, head on. And in my article, Ambassadors, which is still available uh, at our website on the highlight carousel there, I kind of make a, 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 an interesting uh, analogy between uh, that old 1970s TV show, Charlie Angels, where these, <laughs> these yeah. three private detectives would get their secret mission every time from a guy they never met. You know, Charlie, mm-hmm. they never met him face-to-face. They would just get a phone call. And I said, you know, if, if these... Uh, Charlie's angels were were willing to go out and face all kinds of risks and risk their lives for some faceless uh, guy on a phone. How much more should believers be willing to go out and stand firm and do mm-hmm. battle for Jesus Christ, who get, shed his blood and mm-hmm. died and rose again for our sins? I love what you say in that article. The closer we get to the return of Christ, mm-hmm. the more dangerous and difficult this mission will become. Elaborate on that just a little bit, JB, and I'm going to toss it over to Mary. Yeah, no question. That's one of the main uh, themes of our Spirit of the Antichrist series, is that uh, the closer we get to the return of Christ, then the more of an upsurge we see in all of the characteristics of the Antichrist, because uh, the Bible tells us the Spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in the world, even before uh, the tribulation and the rise of the, the capital A Antichrist himself, and so we are seeing no question that deception is getting worse and worse. Second Timothy three thirteen. Uh, you know, I was reading a passage this morning uh, as I was w- waiting for this show to start from Isaiah fifty nine, where he says, "Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street mm. and equity." Uh, cannot enter. And that's exactly uh, a great description of what we're living at today. But yeah, I think more and more believers are going to come under attack, as I talk about in Chapter 12 mm-hmm. of, uh, of Volume 2. Mm-hmm. JB, I want to I address something that's in your uh, Chapter 12 of your book, Part 2, Spirit of the Antichrist, Part 2. But I, I was thinking about, as you guys, you and David were talking, I was thinking about you know, the price that Jesus paid uh, for our sins so that we could preach the gospel uh, and live eternally with him. But then also others, uh, the martyrs who have gone before, have paid a very high price to preserve uh, and honor the gospel. So we have to handle it in such a way. And I was thinking of First Timothy 4. Um, Paul is, is passing the faith on Timothy, and he says, I charge you, therefore, to have your best life now. No. <laughs> or name and claim your own empire, or that all roads lead to God. And so when, when he says, preach the word, convince, rebuke, exhort, in season and out, they will not endure sound doctrine, the people that are doing this are the ones that are under attack. Mm. The ones that are living their best life now, are, Satan's probably going to leave them alone because they're lukewarm. But I was uh, reading your uh, article here, your, your chapter here, and you say, American Christians are facing increasing intolerance through fines, lawsuits, mm-hmm. lost jobs, and public scorn. And we've heard a 
lot of those stories. But then you say, you quote um, uh, from the Christian Post, William Wolfe. He addresses uh, persecution deniers. Uh, you say the mainstream media are quick to deny Christians are being persecuted in this country. What else would we expect? Of course they're going to deny it. To admit it would be a self-indictment. And you say that when people are asked, um, you know, because people are, Christians are being persecuted in America. And and he says, well, people say, no, they're not. Uh, and William says, this inter- internet active crowd apparently refuses to call anything persecution until heads are rolling, stakes are burning, and the lions are digesting the remains of the faithful. Uh, he says that the way Christians are being treated today meets the dictionary definition of persecution to a T. So I'm wondering if you could just give us a, a good definition of persecution that we can use when we're watching the news and maybe some examples of how it's bad and getting badder. Yeah, I thought Wolf's uh, observations there that I cite in Chapter 12 were, were really insightful. Mm-hmm. It helped me kind of understand it, because you do come across those people who say, you know, hey, we're not being burned at the stake, so mm-hmm. it's really not that bad. But persecution rarely starts that way. You know, it starts with attacks and, and cancel culture and ridicule and mockery, but it very quickly moves to physical uh, persecution. And, and we've seen that already in America. I mean, certainly our brothers and sisters in Christ for 2,000 years have been imprisoned and tortured and, of course, martyred uh, for the cause of Christ. Uh, but we're already beginning to see the same types of things in America, and it is moving uh, very rapidly. But as far as a, a definition of persecution, I mean, I think we can let uh, Scripture define it uh, for us. And, and Peter says in First Peter 4.12 and following, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is mm-hmm. to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also uh, be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So several things kind of, I think, spring from that uh, text. First of all, persecution is suffering. Mm-hmm. And suffering is uh, you know, when we are facing hardship, pain, uh, grief, any, any negative experience that is uh, brought on through no fault of our own. You know, it's one thing to be disciplined by God when we are, you know, living in sin or outside of God's will. But suffering is, is in, from the world's perspective, unjustified. It's unfair. It's an inequity. And, uh, and so, you know, persecution is a form of suffering that involves uh, really being uh, hurt and injured because of our association with Christ. But, of course, as Peter says, though that might seem strange to the world, that people would stand firm and face personal hardship because of their principles. Uh, From God's perspective, it brings Him glory, and we should rejoice, because it just is one way of sharing in an intimate way with the very uh, Son of God who who died and rose again for our sins. Mm -hmm. So, J.B., uh, we're going to eventually be talking about anti-Semitism, and we've got some articles, we've got some stats of uh, increasing even online anti-Semitism, and, and also an interesting article uh, that co- talks about where it comes from. But recently, Jack Phillips is back in the news, the Colorado cake baker, who's a grandfather, who has been dragged through the courts for now 11 going on 12 years. Wait a minute, 2000, yeah. Um, and now he's being sued by a transgender, about a transgender cake. 
well, they're going to appeal this ruling, but they, he just lost one court battle. Um, even even four years after the Supreme Court ruled, in, in part at least, in his favor. So now he's back in the courts. And I've got an article by Robert Knight over at the Washington Times called Agree With Us or Else. And he says, the now this all builds up to this anti-Christian and anti-biblical worldview. And when you go down that road and you start believing and start promoting that, then you've got to come against who, what's in your way. Christians are in your way to live the way you want to live. So Robert Knight says the first thing the communists did after the 1917 Russian Revolution was to round up anyone who disagreed with them. Stop right there. We in America think that that could never happen here. That's so far off. And now look what they've done. Back then, they shut down newspapers, denied all public forums to dissenters. And we think it can't happen. But look, since COVID in the last two, three years, the fight to, to, for just for free speech in America, they've taken TV networks off certain cable channels. People have been banned on, on Google, YouTube, Instagram, Vimeo. You probably have been censored in some way. We've been censored or shadow banned here. Just your thoughts on these developments that we never thought we'd see, maybe in our lifetime, at least in, in North America. Yes, uh, the truth, you know, will, will never be silenced ultimately, and that's what we talk yes. about in one of my Spirit of the Antichrist books. But we absolutely have been canceled. Over two years ago, we were canceled from YouTube, and so uh, we still have a page there, but we, we don't post anything anymore because they took down 12 or 15 of our videos and kept putting us on probation, and it just became uh, just this cat-and-mouse game. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, the, the fact is uh, tyrants are known for that uh, throughout history. Just this past uh, Tuesday, we started a new prophecy night to focus at uh, Not By Works uh, Ministries and uh, had a fantastic... Uh, turnout for that and live streamers and so, uh, but I talked about uh, in, in, in sort of a sign of the times, I, I t- surveyed history and showed how Satan's little a antichrists through the years, the tyrants, the, the murderous you know, leaders, uh, the first thing they always do is uh, target those that are a threat to them, and the yes, truth is yes. always a threat. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with, in, with the powers of darkness, the threat comes from the light. And, you know, Christians are the light. Paul says we are to shine like lights in this perverse generation. And so uh, what they do is they start rounding them up, and they have things like, you know, the Gestapo and the Gulag system, and and they start, you know, putting them in, in prison camps. And by the way... We have something very eerily similar to that that came out of uh, 2020 when, uh, you know, lots of folks who were guilty of little more than a misdemeanor trespassing were locked away from their families, from due process in, you know, Gitmo-style prisons, and some of them are still there. Mm. And uh, so I don't know that all of those were believers, but it's certainly a frightening thing when in a country where we're supposed to have constitutional rights, people can be summarily herded up and, you know, hauled off and not seen from. And who knows what's going on uh, over there. I also like um, the way Wolf continues um, the quotes that I started earlier. He says, it's time for Christians to wake up to this reality and join the effort to fight back. We can't just have a few people on the front lines. A lot of Christians have no idea we're in a war. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to roll up their sleeves and be involved in the war. But then he says, you might not be fed to a lion today, but that doesn't mean your child won't get 20 years Mm. at a federal penitentiary for refusing to say that a man can be a woman. Oh, boy. 
I love that. I mean, that is that's a powerful statement, and, that, and that's really what what we're what we we're wanting believers to to see is to wake up. We need Christians mm-hmm. to be awake, not woke. And and the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, things are getting uh, worse. And uh, you know, I, I I like to say when you see things heating up on Earth, it's an indication that they're heating up in the heavenlies. Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. absolutely right, Mary. It is ultimately a spiritual battle, Ephesians six. Uh, and it's been that way from the beginning. Let's not forget where the battle started. Right. It started in heaven with Satan when he led yeah. a coup against God, the mm-hmm. creator of the universe, and then got kicked out. So it didn't start here on earth when Satan confronted Adam and Eve. Uh, it started in the heavenlies, and it uh, is going to finish as a cosmic spiritual battle uh, when Christ comes back. So, yeah, we need to you know, remind believers as often as we can that uh, this is a battle that, is ultimately a spiritual one and, and needs to be fought with the weapons that Paul gives us mm-hmm. in Ephesians 6, and chief among those is prayer. Mm-hmm. J.B., you had sent some notes over in the last couple of days. We've been emailing back and forth about the topics today, the rise of anti-Christian sentiment, discrimination, persecution, and, of course, we'll get to anti-Semitism. Um, the first thing you put on this is expect suffering and also to commit yourself to God at the beginning of your suffering. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that, maybe mm-hmm. share some of those verses. Yeah, so Jesus in the upper room <clears throat> said uh, to his disciples in John 15, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Mm-hmm. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Uh, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus said, they will also persecute mm-hmm. you. So, you know, we, we absolutely should expect something, Paul, uh, suffering, rather. Paul said, all who desire to live godly in Christ mm-hmm. will suffer persecution, 2 Timothy uh, 3.12. And, you know, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Uh, I have overcome the world. And so, you know, one of the, the things that I think many uh, believers, and especially those that are uh, interested in and passionate about the end times, one of the things they miss is that, Although we clearly believe the Bible teaches unmistakably an imminent return of the Lord at the rapture to rescue the church from this present evil age, we by no means believe that he's going to rescue us, quote, before it gets bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to rescue us by his promise before the great and terrible day of the Lord, the tribulation. Uh, twice in First Thessalonians he promises that. Uh, but that doesn't mean things won't get really bad uh, before the rapture. And indeed, mm-hmm. and this is the part that I think is... It's almost shameful that that we sometimes lose sight of this. It's been really bad for believers in different parts of the world for yes. two thousand years. Yes, but we have this sort of jaded uh, view of American exceptionalism that makes us think, well, it's not so bad here, and we're going to be raptured before it gets bad. Well, you know, not so fast. I hope we are. You know, we we are eagerly awaiting the return of the Lord, and we say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. But mm. if the Lord tarries is coming. You know, Mary and, 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 and David, we could face some really, uh, you know, difficult times here. And so I, I just think we need to expect suffering, and that, that was why that was first on my list. There's one more scripture I want to focus on, and um, a lot of people often quote Romans 8.28, which is a great Bible verse. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But we forget Right in the middle of Romans 8 there, verse 18, it says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy 
to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. JB, talk about how we need to weigh our current suffering against the coming glory and keep it in perspective. Yeah, I find it interesting how often that theme is repeated in Paul's writings, that we are not citizens of this earth, but citizens of heaven, that we need to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things, uh, uh, from which we eagerly await the Savior. I mean, it all comes down to perspective. And I think in the early church, especially with what they lived through if they were you know, first century believers, they walked and talked with Christ, and it was easier for them to understand the, the, the supernatural element of their walk with Christ and recognize that it's not about what you can see and hear and, and touch. Uh, but 2,000 years later, we've become consumed with the here and the now. Yes, and yes. it is difficult to get our hands around the kinds of things that happen. I mean, I, I was dealing, I've been dealing the last several days with a family uh, that, that uh, the dad uh, committed suicide and had three young uh, boys, uh, 23, 21, 18, same ages as my uh, two boys and one of my daughters. And, uh, you know, I was talking with one of them last night. Uh, we met for coffee, and, you know, it, it's really difficult to understand this because the man was a godly believer, solid biblicist, I mean, mm. championed conservative biblical truth, not afraid oh. to stand up for truth. Mm. And yet this happens, and you just you, you can't really understand it. And, and the Lord put a word on my heart, just or in my heart, just to encourage me as I'm thinking about this uh, funeral that I'll have on Saturday. You know, we need to focus in times like these on what we know, not on what we don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty we don't know, plenty of yes. questions in a situation right. like that. And when you're facing suffering, all kinds of questions. Why? When will it stop? Yeah. You know, the Psalm yeah. 13 kinds of questions. But in times like this, we need to focus on what we know. Well, what do we know? What's the one thing we, we know with absolute infallibility? That's the Word of God. That's all that we can absolutely count on and trust. I mean, in Psalm 3, it says... Uh, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves all around me. Why? Mm. Because the Lord sustains me. Yes. Mm. So that Romans eight twenty eight, it may be trite for some people because it is kind of a bumper stick, one of those bumper sticker <laughs> passages, but it's the word of God. Yes. And we do know that He's working all things together for good. Yeah. And Amen. sometimes when you're going through something, you have to open up Romans and make sure that verse is still there <laughs> and it didn't disappear. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I, and I love you quoted the psalm because I was just thinking of the psalms and how David is so gut-level honest with what he's going through and God allows that to be in there. Every psalm is a song. Um, and then at, at some point it gets so bad for David, he says, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? He, it's, he's talking to himself. Okay, so yes. when it gets that bad and you're talking to yourself, I think David, what, you know, what he says and how he handles uh, the various things he goes through is a great comfort, and I think that's why the Lord put the Psalms in there for yeah. some element of comfort that we can turn to. Yeah, I mean, I like that phrase "gut level honest" because uh, I'll probably I'll probably borrow that. Because oh, sure, go that for really it. does describe <laughs> David, and I reference Psalm 13. And you know, as you, if you go back and look at that short Psalm, just uh, three stanzas, six verses, uh, he starts out literally you know, despondent, questioning mm-hmm. God. Where are mm-hmm. you? How long will this go on? Why am I having to take refuge in my soul? Kind of like you said, Mary, talking to yourself. <laughs> but then he sort of seems to get up on his knees and, and tentatively look heavenward and saying, you know, Lord, uh, you know, enlighten my eyes. Mm-hmm. Don't let my enemy prevail. But then by the time you get to the end of that short psalm, he's standing solidly on his feet, looking heavenward and says, I have trusted in your mercy. 
and my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. And so I think it's very uh, health, healthy and normal and natural for believers to have questions and to cry out to God with that gut-level honesty you described. But we want to make sure we don't ever just camp out there. Right. We've got to let that resolve into a steadfast trust the way David did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are with J.B. Hickson today, friends, and we've got uh, about five, six minutes left in this segment, and we're talking about the rise of anti-Christian sentiment, how we as believers in Christ can stand on the Word of God. That is our anchor. The hope in Christ is our anchor, and also the persecution that's increasing, and we will also be talking about anti-Semitism. But, uh, J.B., it's not surprising. I think you mentioned it early on today that this has been happening throughout the world. Um, I mean, the apostles and disciples, there's countless examples. And, you know, some that are not in the Bible, but you can go to tradition, church tradition, and you know how many of them died. Just share your thoughts on that to, again, remind us of this perspective, because we have become quite Americanized. And I know you read a chapter in your book on narcissism as well. Maybe we'll get to that. But let's talk about how we should not be surprised by this. This is the persecution is the norm. The world is against Christ and those who serve Him. Yeah, it's it's hard even in a world that is connected as as we are with the internet and information and technology. Uh, still, we we tend to be isolated and not not recognize uh, yes. you know what's going on around the world. At our church, we have a monthly little flyer that we put out that exposes some of the uh, persecution globally and focuses on a different one or two countries uh, each month, and and that's always helpful because it just sort of is a reminder in the busyness of life that boy, our brothers and sisters are suffering, but. You know, I think recognizing that others suffer has really a twofold effect. On the one hand, it does keep things in perspective and, and, and cause us to realize how blessed we are if we're not facing intense, you know, uh, political and government persecution, although that is coming and, and is really already here, as we talked about earlier. But the other reality is that, as the Bible talks about, when we are suffering, recognizing that others suffer uh, yes. can give us comfort. You know, Peter said in First Peter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We all know that verse. I quote mm-hmm. it often. Yep. But the very next verse says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Now listen, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood mm. in the world. And yes. of course, Paul said, you know, there's no trouble or temptation that is that will overtake us except what as that which is common to man, 1 Corinthians 10.13. So we, we do need to remember that we're all in this together. We're all targets. And, uh, you know, if, going back to my quote at the beginning there, if we leave the harbor like we're supposed to and, and, and get out on the front lines of this spiritual battle, we're going to take some flack. Uh, I know I don't know about you, David, and you've got a much larger uh, reach and audience than, than Not By Works has, of course, but I've already seen, just in the last couple of years, an unusual rise in the number of negative emails and criticisms that we get. Mm. Uh, you know, by and large, our audience is fairly like-minded. I mean, that's why they follow Not By Works, right? Because they mm-hmm. believe in the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. They have a passion for the end times. They're dispensational, pre-trib, and so forth. But it just seems like, you know, lately... We're, we're touching a nerve with some people, and, you know, I'll make a statement, for example, about LGBTQ, and I'll get an email from someone that says, oh, you're too harsh and you're too uh, mean, but, you know, uh, just remember when you're taking flack, it, it means, you know, you're within uh, the enemy's uh, target uh, mm-hmm. range, and mm-hmm. that's what we see happening. Yeah. So, 
Um, one of the things also, by the way, you, you said something that reminded me, Katie here um, in our ministry at Q90FM, Stand Up For The Truth, told me yesterday that we have reached a first in that we have donors now from 41 different states in the country. Not wow. listeners. We have listeners from all over the place, including Mexico, Canada, the UK, um, and I think Japan or somewhere. But we have donors from 41 different states. So I'm going to get a hold of that list one of these days. I'm going to read it on the air, and I'm going to challenge people that are listening. If you're listening from a state that's not mentioned, uh, excuse me, <laughs> time to step up. Uh, no, no, no guilt. But I just I was fascinated by that because, JB, in light of the censorship, in light of the fact that we don't advertise, we have a, a, our smallest staff in the history of this ministry. We have been censored on Facebook. We're shadow banned. We have been for eight, nine years, and we are completely pretty much hand-tied, but yet more people are sharing the podcasts, and now we have a record number of listeners and podcast downloads, and now 41 states. These aren't people that just kind of tune in from time to time online. They're donating. In other words, they believe in what we're doing. So we are so blessed by that. So I had to share some positive news in light of the fact that we will be persecuted. We will be attacked. There will be spiritual warfare. And I think of Ephesians 6. I think of something that Mary said early on in this podcast. We only have a minute here before I have to take a break. Um, a lot of Christians are on this luxury liner. I call it a cruise ship, cruise ship Christianity, when we are actually should be on a battleship ready for battle. But we're as a church in America, JB, we're not quite there. We've got a minute left. Can you just comment on that and get us ready for the next segment? Yeah, we may have to come back and elaborate yes, a little bit more yes. on that in the second segment, <laughs> because I think it's true that in these great last days of deception, as more and more ministries kind of peel off and become woke, it leaves fewer and fewer mm -hmm. solid Bible teaching ministries like Stand Up for the Truth and NBW Ministries. And so since the pool is smaller, I think good, solid Bible-believing Christians are kind of flocking to the fewer uh, you know, godly ministries that are left. It's yes. the remnant principle. So that's that's awesome to see that Stand Up for the Truth is, is really expanding and, and reaching more people. But I think it, it makes logical sense. Yeah, when we come back, we're going to go over to anti-Semitism now. 68% of online anti-Semitism comes from progressives or Palestinians. Plus, the frequency and intensity are increasing more in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So J.B. Hickson is our guest. We're going to talk about anti-Semitism in a minute. But uh, J.B., people can get, can get both volumes of your book, Spirit of the Antichrist. And the website is SpiritOfTheAntichrist.org, correct? Yeah, spiritoftheantichrist.org. They can learn all about the books, read the preface for each book and the table of contents, and uh, love love for them to check them out. Okay, Mayor, you had a question. We talked a little bit about narcissism and pride, and let, let's uh, work this in here. I thought that's a very important part that uh, JB talks about. Well, it is, and, and I, I really like how it's the preceding chapter in your book to the rise of anti-Christian sentiment. And um, you quote Isaiah 14 here, um, about how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. You have said in your heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. 
Uh, he wanted to usurp God's throne in heaven and exalt himself above all. But his, you say his coup attempt failed. Satan's pride did not abate. Then it gets very interesting here because you talk about the Luciferian conspiracy that's in the world now, um, the spirit of Antichrist that's in the world now, and how the pride, and I agree with this, we're seeing on the part of the Klaus Schwab's and the Harari's and the people who want to just uh, shut us down, make us wear masks, the amount of pride in these movements that we're seeing now is oh just phenomenal. Goodness. And yep. I love how you... Uh, connect these dots. It says mm. they wear pride like a necklace over their garments. Psalm seventy three six. Um, you know we're just uh, we're just slaves to them. And and I'm just wondering if you could address this chapter that you're doing on narcissism and how we are seeing the explosion of it and how it's manifesting itself, not just in the ways that I mentioned, but in other ways in social media, etc. Yeah, it's you know, obviously we we see in the tribulation the future tribulation period that the antichrist will be the very embodiment of pride. He'll be indwelt by Satan himself, and as you read at the outset of this segment, uh, Satan it was pride that brought him down from heaven to begin with and brought him low. And so the antichrist is going to have you know unprecedented pride. He's going to exalt and magnify himself above every god, speaking pompous words and oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. And so it's no surprise then that the closer we get to the rise of the Antichrist after the rapture, uh, we're going to see an upsurge in this aspect of pride. You know, Albert Einstein uh, was a pretty smart guy, and, and he said, the only thing more dangerous than ignorance is arrogance. And the Bible agrees. We see again and again throughout uh, passages, say, for example, in Proverbs, that wisdom letter of the Old Testament, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. But what really struck me as I was researching this chapter is that today in our culture, uh, pride is not only prevalent, but it's it's actually celebrated and encouraged. Yes. Mm-hmm. Look, written best-selling books about how these millennials can really make a name for themselves and get ahead in business by being prideful. You know, how to use pride and arrogance to, to, to make a million dollars and, and those types of things. At least in bygone days and in our culture in America that used to be conservative by and large, uh, you know, people, though they were still prideful, and, and pride's always the ultimate basis for sin, they recognized on some level that it was not right. It was not something good but now it has been embraced you know it's it's the the uh, deconstruction culture of our day where mm-hmm. everything Satan's taking everything that God meant for good and turning it on its head yes right is wrong wrong is right but yeah it's definitely on the rise for sure mm-hmm. so uh, one more uh, scripture or maybe a couple before we jump into the important topic of anti-semitism that's growing um, I've got an article here called the frequency intensity and normalization Three reasons why the current state of anti-Semitism is truly alarming. But you talk about how we are to, as believers, patiently endure suffering. Also, thank God for our sufferings. JB, that's really hard to do, but it's biblical, and I think it's a good model for those of us who um, tend to want to complain and think, woe is me, or even think of ourselves as a martyr, God forbid. Yeah, I mean, Paul, in the last letter that he wrote to Timothy, while he's sitting in a, in a prison cell uh, awaiting martyrdom, uh, remember he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. But before that, he said to Timothy, and you, therefore you must endure hardship mm-hmm. as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so 
there is something to be said for patiently enduring our suffering. In Romans, which Paul wrote you know, some ten years previous to writing Second Timothy, he said to the Roman believers, to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and continue steadfastly in prayer, Romans 12, 12. And, and of course, we all know James chapter 1, where he says, look, consider it joy, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials. So I think uh, patience is, of course, always that elusive uh, quality that believers uh, you know, think about and talk about. We don't want to pray mm-hmm. for it, though, because if you pray yeah. for patience, God will make sure you learn it. That's for sure. <laughs> you bet. But, uh, <laughs> but we, uh, we are called to be patient. But I don't think we often think about patience in the context of suffering. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it is something that you know, God's Word really tells us to do, to endure hardship uh, like a good uh, soldier. And, in fact, going back to that passage in First Peter in chapter 2, he says, What credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, uh, if when you're, you're taken patiently, but when you do good and suffer and you mm-hmm. take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And so I think we need to stop trying to fix our own situations mm-hmm. and, 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 and just patiently cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a good soldier, and you know, come what may, I'm going con- to remain steadfast. And by the way, we're heading into a time, I believe, if the Lord tarries is coming, when it's going to be a fish or cut bait kind of, of, of time for believers who are going to have to say, whatever the cost, mm. I'm going to stand firm, mm-hmm. and I hope that they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we kind of saw a little bit of that. It wasn't because of persecution or anti-Semitism per se, but as far as believers in Christ, churches during the COVID shutdowns, when they deemed they, meaning the government and mayors or governors, deemed the church non-essential, we had to reevaluate. JB, all right, yeah. what, what, what is the church, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and what are we supposed to be doing in the United States of entertainment here? They're right. shutting down churches. A lot of other things were open, um, so we had to kind of fight that a little bit, and some, we know the pastors, the godly men of God that stood up and said, wait a minute, no, this is a, a time of suffering, a time of great fear and uncertainty. If people ever needed the church and what Jesus Christ has to offer, it was it is now and that was in 2020. But let's go to this article. 68% of online anti-Semitism comes from Palestinians or progressives. This is very interesting. This is over at JNS.org. Uh, so 68%, that's almost 70%. And then in the United States, JB, there was obviously a significant increase in the number of anti-Semitic interactions last year. And there that's a 13% increase in violent anti-Semitic attacks as well. So it mentions the U.S., United Kingdom, Germany, and France, for starters. So we're not surprised by this, but I would love to get your, your perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, obviously ground zero of anti-Semitism is over there in the Holy Land, and yes. that's been the case you know, throughout history since God called Abraham 2,000 years uh, before Christ. I mean, we, we know that God repeatedly talks about in his word, the significance of his land. You know, I did a, a message uh, some time ago at a prophecy conference on the significance of the Holy Land, and, you know, all throughout Scripture, I mean, there are hundreds of references to my land, this land, God's land, your land, talking to the Israelites, and how holy it is, the Holy Land, and so forth. That's why we call it the Holy Land. Hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that nearly 70% of the attacks on uh, Jewish people, God's chosen nation, come uh, from you know over there, but the thing that really 
I think, concerns me. And, and, and you pointed out this article from Harbinger's by, I think his name is Olivier Melnick. Yes. I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his first name right, but it was from last, late last year. And he said, he points out how, you know, things are increasing, uh, the anti-Semitism is increasing in frequency, intensity, and normalization. Uh, and, you know, you've got that sort of, uh, you know, ungodly, a group called the Hebrew Israelites, and there's yes. uh, that NBA basketball star from uh, mm-hmm. from Brooklyn. Uh, that's uh, or yeah, the Brooklyn Nets. It's still hard for me to think of them as the Brooklyn Nets. But anyway, <laughs> uh, who's a part of that group? In fact, he was he was actually shockingly punished by the NBA. I think he was suspended for six or eight games because of some very hateful things that he said uh, in inciting violence against Jews. So that's what concerns me, David, is how we're seeing it become normalized even in America. It's one thing to have, you know, anti-Jewish Arabs who want to destroy Israel and wipe them from the face of the earth say and do things. But when when it's over here in our own country, it's it's starting to get a be concerned. Didn't Kanye West get tangled up into something like that with some bumbling comments he made and isn't that a concern too? Because you've got people, celebrities, that have great influence. Let's let's admit, friends, these celebrities, which most of them are leftist, progressive, you know, Democrat, socialist, and whatever. But in this case, Kanye West was putting out um, Christian, I guess, ideas in some of his music, and now he seems to be. Uh, touting anti-Semitism. Have you heard that? And what's the danger of this when famous people probably don't understand the theology and the history behind it, but they're saying these things? Um, That's a little concerning, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I'm glad you brought that up. I can't really comment on uh, Kanye because one of my New Year's resolutions is to never talk about Kanye. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) but I I, I think you're right that, uh, you know, the sad thing is many Christians even uh, especially in the conspiracy world, which is kind of the world I live in, uh, have bought into false conspiracies that somehow uh, Israel uh, is, you know, to blame for all of these things. They don't have a biblical, accurate biblical understanding of God's plan of the ages. They don't see a distinction between Israel and the church and God's plan for national Israel. They think that the church has replaced Israel. Yep. And so there's a, there's a form of Zionism out there that is unbiblical, that is unrighteous, that is not accurate, and, and sadly a lot of Christians, you know, fall into that. You know, not all conspiracy theories are true. Uh, I don't use the phrase conspiracy theory alone. I either talk about false conspiracy theories or true conspiracy theories. Right. And so uh, that's, that's another way in which anti-Semitism is sort of making inroads, sadly, even among the Christian conservative movement, who thinks that you know Israel is is the problem rather than mm-hmm. the fact that Israel is God's uh, you know God's people? Well, in the last few years, we had uh, the likes of Lynn Hybels and her. She had, was taking this on the road in her progressive uh, theology geez. and calling Israel uh, occupiers. So, and you have your replacement theology. So it's even within the church. But I was looking at some stats too. Europe's uh, incidents of uh, of anti-Semitism <clears throat> are up quite a bit. I think yep. some of that's attributable to the Immigrants that are coming in, which are Muslim, yes. EU doesn't even have. I learned they don't even have a policy uh, to to even care about any of this or, or do anything about it. And I think um, uh, the other article I read on this was that Iran uh, is the number one export. This is their number one export is um, anti-Semitism from the Muslim mm. world. They are they are leading the way. They are obsessively anti-Semitic. 
Uh, it motivates them and their theology. They deny the Holocaust. They have this Al-Quds force. They want to liberate Jerusalem. Then they have your, your terror proxies, Hamas, Hezbollah. Um, they want to drive Israel into the sea. So they are the ones that are the most influential in the Muslim world when mm -hmm. it comes to anti-Semitism. Yeah, and let's not forget to bring it back to kind of what we <laughs> talked about earlier, that it is a spiritual battle, mm -hmm. and it goes all the way back to Satan hating God, and therefore he hates God's people. You know, God chose Abraham back in Genesis 12, and, uh, you know, the seed, the ultimate seed of Abraham, capital S, will be uh, Jesus Christ, is Jesus Christ the Messiah, and he will come back someday and rule all the world in global peace and righteousness and justice from the rebuilt temple, sitting on the throne in Jerusalem, as Ezekiel talks about in Ezekiel 40 to 48. So, of course, through the, through the ages and for 6,000 years of human history, Satan has been trying to attack God's people. You know, we saw it with Egypt and with Assyria and Babylon and Greece and Rome, and then we will see it once again with the rise of the Antichrist and the revived Roman Empire. And so the fact that anti-Semitism is really spiking right now, to me, is yet another sign of the times that we're getting closer and closer to the return of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit more about the, the fact, you mentioned Zionism earlier, um, and maybe we need to define that for our newer listeners or young listeners. But in this article over at JNS.org, it says anti-Semitism is changing its face and is increasingly focusing on hatred toward the Jewish state and the denial of its right to exist. JB? Yeah, so, so the rise of the modern Zionist movement uh, goes back to 1897, when a guy named Theodore Herzl wrote a book called The Jewish State, and uh, he's the one that convened the first Zionist World Congress in Basel, Switzerland in 1897. He, the, the book or the article came out in 1896, and the next year he had the first Zionist World Congress. And what they were trying to do was uh, trying to put forth a plan to give Israel a homeland again for the first time in, you know, 1800 years, since 70 A.D. Wow. And uh, Herzl put forth what was called the Uganda Plan, which was to give, you know, the Jews a place in, to call their own in Uganda. But, of course, you know, Uganda's not the Holy Land. It's not God's plan. But anyway, what's fascinating about Herzl is that in his diary in, uh, that came out September 3rd, or an entry in his diary, September 3rd, 1897, he said this, very fascinating, At Basel, I have founded the Jewish state. If I said this out loud today, I would be answered by universal laughter. Perhaps in five years, certainly in 50, everyone will know it. Mm. Now, what year did wow. we say that was? 1897. Mm. Wow. What happened about 50 years later? Mm -hmm. Just that, like he said, Israel became a nation on May 14, 1948. Yes. So, that's really what we mean as biblical Christians with the rise of modern Zionism. Now, unfortunately, uh, in some cases, it, it becomes this blind allegiance to modern-day, current-day Israel in thinking they can do no harm, but we need to run everything we see through the grid of Scripture and recognize that the, believer, that the Jews in Israel today are not there in belief. Uh, this is a setting of the stage. But Israel will not return to the Lord, as Jesus said, until they cry, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when Jesus comes back at his second coming, he sends his angels to regather them in the land. So the gathering today in the land is there in unbelief. It's not the fulfillment of all of those Old Testament passages like Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 37, and others. That, that talk about Israel coming back into their homeland to, to greet their king. So it's a setting of the stage, and we ought to be 
excited about it and mm-hmm. recognize that this is all part of God's plan. But at the same time, there are a lot of evil leaders in Israel, just like there are in America today, and, and they should be held accountable when they do things that are that are wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's encouraging to see God's hand of protection on Israel in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and also in Revelation 12, when when uh, they flee to, to Petra, likely, uh, for time, times, and half a time. So we know that God is still going to be with them throughout all those things, uh, ultimately leading to their redemption. Yeah, if I can mention real quickly, sure. we just uh, uh, started a new Tuesday night prophecy emphasis. It's Tuesday mm. nights from 6 to 7.30 Mountain Time, and, and this week on Tuesday I, I talked a lot about the Battle of Gog and Magog that you just referenced in Ezekiel 38 and 39, but I encourage folks to, to go to notbyworks.org and click on the podcast mm. page, because we have just just coincidentally had really a, a slew this this week of podcasts that have, have dropped of different interviews that we've done with Prophecy Watchers. We had one on, on the myth that won't die about the rapture. We've had one on the imminency of the rapture. We've had uh, just several opportunities, that the doors that the Lord has opened. So be sure and check out our podcasts, and, and I think there's some good information there. Great. Will do. Uh, so I want to go back to this article by Olivier Melnick, and um, over at Harbinger's Daily, came out last month, um, Jewish applicants. This is interesting. He said, unexpectedly, possibly the most concerning recent poll is the one regarding how Jewish people are perceived during the hiring process. He said 26% of hiring managers say they are less likely to hire a Jewish applicant. And um, the top reason for negative bias is the belief that Jews have too much power and control. 26% of employers make assumptions about whether a candidate is Jewish based on their appearance. 23% say they want fewer Jews in their industry. 17% say leadership has told them not to hire Jews. And 33% say anti-Semitism is common in their workplace. And listen to this. Finally, JB, and I'll let you uh, respond. Almost one-third of people polled responded that anti-Semitism is acceptable. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he's exa- Melnick is exactly <clears throat> right that those uh, statistics are chilling. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 anybody that understands God's plan of the ages the way we should if we read the Bible in its plain, normal sense ought to just be angered mm-hmm. by this uh, anti-Semitism that is out there because, you know, God loves Israel. I mean, he chose Israel. The Bible says Israel is the apple of his eye. That's where we get that metaphor from, straight out of the Hebrew Scriptures. And and so when God, when people attack Israel, they're attacking God's chosen nation. And so, you know, obviously we're concerned about the rise of anti-Christian sentiment, as I yeah. talk about in the book. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, anti-Semitism is really what it all comes down to, because ultimately... It's Israel's kingdom. I mean, yeah. Ultimately, the boundaries are given in Genesis 15. Uh, again, the rebuilt temple is talked about in Ezekiel 40-48. to 48. The church, the bride of Christ, will be there serving and reigning and co-reigning with Christ in the kingdom. But it is Israel's kingdom. And, and that was God's plan all along, was to bring salvation through 
Israel. They were to go into the promised land after leaving Egypt and, and um, proliferate the, the true God and the message of God, the Creator. Uh, and instead, they ended up you know, cohabiting with the pagan nations around them and adopting their pagan rituals. But remember, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, salvation is of the Jews. Mm. And in other words, Jesus is a Jew, and, and, and God brought the plan of salvation to mankind through the Jewish people. So I get kind of animated when I read those statistics and yes. think about what's, what's happening. But let's not forget, it's just one more sign of the times. Mm-hmm. Well, think of Christians in the crosshairs here in America. We've got a mm-hmm. hockey player that decided not to put a pride patch, an LGBT patch on his arm, and he was just raked through the coals in the sports world because his hockey team had pride night. But, JB, um, it, this is why Christians and Jews have no choice but to put their theological and cultural differences aside and fight the beast together. I want to wrap up with what you, going back to your article, Ambassadors, your new article, quote you and let you put a you know bow on this here in the last couple minutes. You say, for believers in the Lord's army, our mission does not end when the credits roll after a 60-minute episode. Our mission will not end until the Lord returns to rescue us from this present evil age. You say these are urgent times for believers. Wrap it up for us, JB. It really is urgent. And again, that that article kind of uses a running metaphor of that television show that I talked about. And so that's why I say, look, you know, this mission is not just a 60-minute episode. Mm -hmm. It is a calling, and it is what we're here for. Uh, Life is not about this earthly life. It's about eternity, and we're just here for a speck on the timeline of eternity. Yes. But we better be the good soldiers that God calls us to be, uh, doing battle and recognizing the signs of the times. Soldiers. When you say soldiers, I don't know if we'll ever get into this place in in the church in America when uh, a lot of people just, uh, they've been duped by the best life now movement and theology and the, the cruise ship Christianity, but we are to be soldiers in battle. We have an amazing master that we serve, Jesus Christ, and we are his soldiers, soldiers for Christ. That's, that's hard, JB, to get to, to recruit more mm-hmm. uh, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ to fight this battle with us. Um, just to have a minute left, but thank you so much for your time and your perspective. We love having you on. Uh, our, you have become one of our more popular guests here on the podcast. So that's a blessing, and hope blesses not by works ministry as well. Amen. Well, praise God. And I'll close with that verse that you quoted earlier from Romans 8, 18. I consider the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So so praise God. Thanks so much. You guys are always a blessing. And... uh, and have a great uh, rest of the week and weekend. Thanks, you too. friends. JB Hickson, notbyworks.org. Let me tease some of the guests we have coming up. It's the second day of February already, and uh, we've got, I'm looking ahead, we've got uh, Natasha Crane, uh, Heidi St. John, Marsha Montenegro, Elisa Childers. Talk about, you know, women in Christ power. And then we've got Elijah Abraham coming up, Pastor Jeff Solwald. Uh, next Thursday, Don Stewart. That's going to be great. Um, John Haller next Tuesday, Scott Shera uh, Monday, and tomorrow, Mike Gendron, Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries. Uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about, but I think we have to talk about the Pope and some theology. Doctrine divides. But uh, Mike, I mean, yeah, Mike is so good at using such a perspective of compassion, but yet not backing down boldness in his love for Roman Catholics. So we'll talk about that, a lot of that, plus uh, doctrinal issues with Mike tomorrow. 
Um, guys, thank you so much. It's, it's just been uh, an amazing ride here, and hopefully it continues until we are shut down. Uh, we will continue to speak loudly, clearly, as much as we have when we are, there's breath in our lungs. Right, Mayor? Amen. Yeah. So praise God for you for listening and sharing the podcast. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.